Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Uh, 
Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick here today to review the offense from the Colts game, that Monday night thriller. And with me, somebody I just love to talk football with, Coach Evans of Sip to Tally Films. Coach, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing fine. Glad to be here. Um, just excited about the, to talk about what we witnessed um, Monday and ready to dive into it. And I'm excited to see what somebody else that kind of looks at it on a deeper level than the normal person, how they feel based off how I feel. I, I appreciate that, and uh, and I'm I'm interested in hearing some of your some of your elements. We have a couple of coach specific elements I want to get to as we go through this. But uh, you know, late Monday night game, and I know for for an analyst that's difficult. Uh, you, you stay up way into the middle of the night doing this. I'd much rather have a one p.m. game. Is getting older now too. I'm I'm at an age where one p.m. is a lot better time for to, to football than at night. And fortunately, the, the the Ravens are through most of those for the year now. Yeah, I think uh, the next primetime game is like November, maybe. Mid to late okay. November, right? They got they got that Thursday night in Miami in November, so they'll mm. have that. That might be the next one. Um, so, do we like the new Ravens offense? Um, if if it is the new Ravens offense, I like it. But Lamar has always been decent to good when we tempo, even when we tempo like before halves and and whatnot. Lamar has always been decent to good in that. But I don't know if we want want that to be like the offense because of, you know, tiring people out, injury risk because you're running more plays and stuff like that. But anytime he's had to speed it up, he's he's never been bad in it this whole entire time in the NFL. But he he looked like he mastered it that second, that what, from middle of the third quarter on to the yep. overtime. So they had four drives during that span, and they were all approximately 75 yards. I think one of them might only have been a 62 or 65 or whatever. But those four drives – they had 19 first downs. Mm-hmm. They never once went to third down mm. that whole time. So they, they converted every single one on first or second down. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. Now, I, mean, I do know just, the first half we were 0 for 5 from um, third down, and we finished the game 3 for 8. So whatever, you know, maybe before those drives transpired, we right. went 3 for 3 on the, the um, third downs that we did have in the second half. That means that that's amazing because it means we were a hundred percent. So one of those ended in a field goal. I got to think about how that happened. But anyway, we we, we effectively were close to a hundred percent on converting individual series of downs in that in that second half. A remarkable, certainly second half. To, to go back to the other point you made though about the up tempo play. You're right. I mean, the Ravens have been a remarkable team in the two-minute offense under Lamar, even though we think of him as a guy who can stretch a drive out to eight minutes whenever he wants to. Or, you know, <laughs> he's he's definitely a guy who can get down the field in two minutes very regularly. Right. He, he can he can give you whatever you need offensively, you know, as a quarterback. If you want to spread it out and do that, I think he's, he's to the point where people can't just say, hey, he's, you know, all the negative things they say about him. He can give He can beat you in a variety of different ways, and his legs just being extra. He, he To me, he's proven it. You know, this should be the stamp. It, that, that shouldn't be said again, but I know it will be. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> he just – he's done so much to me and developed into this this huge rose from, you know, from concrete that I thought – I would hope he would be, but he's developing into a guy that – probably something that we've never seen before because he's still got room to improve. And he's playing yeah. lights out right now. I mean, he's he's better than any of the previous running quarterbacks. Michael Vick being mm-hmm. the, the you know the best comp in a lot of ways. He certainly does a lot more than Vick did to help teams win. Uh, it, it's just it's it, he's he's remarkable. I just I saw what happened to that Colts pass rush. 
down the stretch and they wilted. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they could not keep up. They were huffing and puffing. They, in fact, actually had to call a timeout in overtime when they were inside the 10 yard line just to give them a breather. Right. Um, And, and it didn't, that, you know, that didn't really help that much either, but it's, it's uh, a lot of ample time and space opportunities created uh, when that was happening. And Lamar picked the Colts apart with that. I can remember watching the game and, you know, being caught up in the, the flow of the game and not really knowing the stat line. And then once the stat line popped up after the game and I saw he was 37, 43, I was mm-hmm. amazed, mm-hmm. amazed because, you know, I just want, and when I instantly thought about him, like, I don't really remember him incompleting, but a few balls. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's fairly accurate. He only, you know, threw 40 plus times and only had six incompletions, but they said he's not accurate. <laughs> I think I forget if he's twenty twenty eight of thirty one in the second half. It was about it was that. There. No, something like yeah, that. Might have, yeah, so ninety percent roughly in the second half, and uh, it's certainly uh, it's a, it's a historic figure any way you look at it. No one had ever thrown for four uh, four hundred yards before with a um, completion percentage of over eighty five percent. His was eighty six. Mm-hmm. So uh, all kinds of remarkable things going on through this game. I guess we don't need to talk about all of them. They'll hit on them. Let's talk a little bit of Ravens scheme. How about okay. that? All right. So the Colts primarily a four-man pass rush in this game. That surprised me a little bit because Denver had been so successful ratcheting up the pressure in the previous game. that They, they used seven-man pressure five times, six-man pressure, it might have been eight or nine times. But they, they with every additional man that they rushed, they, they reduced the yards per play average. Mm-hmm. Colts decided we'd stick with the four-man pressure. Why do you think that might have been? I think they rely heavily on um, Darius Leonard, I think, to 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 make to put them in right spots and make plays because even though they didn't get, you know, do a lot of pressure, they still was jamming that box with guys to stop the run. I think they were, you know, hell-bent on, like, you're not getting 100 yards. If Lamar beat us passing, so be it. And so even though they didn't, like, on passing downs, they only rushed four, I still think they had guys with eyes in the box slamming that box anytime they got some kind of run action. But uh, as far as pass pass rush, I don't know why they didn't send extras. Maybe they didn't trust um, Lamar breaking the initial uh, level of defense, then getting out. Not really sure. I would have sent more at him. And if he beat me, he was going to have to beat me over the top. Right. I, I, I would have thought they would have done that too, but only nine out of 45 did they rush five. And it was always five exactly. They never brought six or seven. Mm-hmm. And they had very weak cornerbacks in this game, which was which was obviously that they were highlighting that on TV. But mm-hmm. more than that, they had Ravenzitis, as I'll call it, where their inside linebackers couldn't stop anybody in terms of, <laughs> of – uh, uh, you know, getting a getting a pass completion off shows you there's generally a weakness in inside linebacker coverage. I thought Lamar did a masterful job of taking advantage of that yes. situation pres- as presented to him, especially once um whatever their top corner had went down. So they Save were your like third string guys. Yes, every Woods. He went to work on those guys. If I'm not mistaken, the very no, I think Hollywood already got. There. I want to say soon as the guy got hurt, he went up top to Hollywood. I thought. Mm-hmm. Like the very next play or two plays later, that was the sluggo that Hollywood got, and that kind of jump started the the offense to have hey, oh, okay, we got something, let's stick with it. Mm-hmm. Now I was more amazed with Roman sticking with it than anything. They found they found a niche, however you find it, it don't matter how you find it, mm-hmm. and they stuck with it. And I was amazed that Roman just kept dialing it up, you know, out of that empty or that ten personnel. Yeah, they did. They did a good job with that. And they don't normally ever play without a running back on the field, but they had three plays this time without a running back on the field, which was which is something that's very un 
Roman like. <laughs> uh, they they also the other thing they did is they started playing up tempo earlier, which. Uh, they were certainly doing it at 12 minutes of the fourth when they were when they were down 16. But even before then, in the third quarter, mm-hmm. they started with some up topo play, which I thought was good. And and obviously they should, they saw benefits on a two and a half minute drive to get Hollywood to score. Mm-hmm. But all of those drives very fast yep. in terms of moving down the field. They um I think they went up tempo because if I'm not mistaken, weren't we down three scores at the time? They're down 22 to three. Yeah. Yep, so I, I think that's why they kind of bumped that tempo up earlier in the game to uh, start the, or to see if they come back, to get more possessions and try to come back. And it, it ended up paying off because that's when they found that they couldn't handle them in the pass game. Mm-hmm. And it, that at that point, that's when those four guys, they were only rushing, started to wear down too. Yeah. They, they did some they did some interesting things in this game because they've been using a lot of extra in-line players the last few weeks. So they had tight ends, fullbacks, and sixth offensive linemen because the Ravens, can, of course, can play a fullback in, in line with Ricard. Uh, Ricard didn't get very many snaps in this game. Tomlinson did not mm-hmm. get very many snaps in this game. And they ended up only playing 1.26 of those three groups per play versus the Colts. And to give, to give by comparison... They played about 50% more against Denver when they played 1.90 per play. So that was a very heavy lineup. This one, very light lineup, making use of speed in level two and trying to match up well with linebackers and a, and a very depleted secondary. And that, that's, that shows me that, you know, they're they're trying to evolve and not just being bullheaded. Okay, I'm going to run this ball, I'm going to run this ball, I'm going to run this ball. Even though they got the record, you just got to evolve to what, the, you know, what the defense is weak at. And take what they give you. If you if you do that on that level, you, you should normally will be successful. Normally, will yeah. be successful. Okay, I'm 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 happy with Roman that he didn't take any account for the record in terms of going for that. Obviously, that was a completely meaningless thing, and the Ravens can start another record. Mm-hmm. But in any case, that record was doomed this season with the current offensive line problems they've right. got and the current running backs. In my opinion, right? We are down what um, two starters if we want to consider. Uh, the left guard starter that um, was the Phillips, yeah. Cleveland. and um, oh, Ed Phillips, yeah, yeah, two starters. The whole basically the left side is out, mm-hmm. and then we and had Stanley. we moved McCarry over there to replace. Was it Smith? Did Smith uh, get some reps in, or did? Well, Villanueva moved from right to left, so mm-hmm. he's a left tackle, and then and then they moved in McCarry at right tackle, and they did have Andre Smith get some snaps in the last game when Villanueva went down, and that was pretty bad as well. Yeah, yeah. That, that got scary. I was I was happy to see him in because I didn't see the active and inactive before the game, and once I because I, I got to it right before kickoff started, and I saw him out there. I was extremely happy to see him out there. Yeah, me too. Uh, they used a lot of set and chip blockers again in this game, uh, about a half a set and chip per play. This is one thing I want to get back to you about your coaching elements. I always talk about a chip block in in a certain way that, that you're, you, you create a limited set of routes that you can run off a chip block because it messes up your own timing in a sense. You can do the leak out and, and you, you become a secondary target instead of the primary. You really can't be the primary mm-hmm. anymore. I think uh, any kind of chip is, has to be the um, the check down mm-hmm. because if you know if if the guy that you're chipping is winning, like you may have to just stay there. So you can't you can't just leave them leave the tackle or guard whoever you're helping when you chip to out the dry. You got to make sure you get something on them, and you have to make sure that you get something on them in a way that the tackle can take him over. You don't want yep. the tackle to be winning, and then you knock him off too. Yeah, that that's, that's the too. other bad way. <laughs> right. But so, uh, I think you can only be like, 
like you said, you can you can chip and go into flats. You can chip and maybe hitch up real quick, or you can chip and kind of drag across the field. I, other than that, I don't see too many more things that you can do that can, that will be effective. Right, you can't you can't get to the top of a route tree. Right, like that, the top of, yeah, so, so you can't run that normal. I mean, it's probably holds you up for a second, second mm-hmm. and a half, maybe in terms of getting offline scrimmage. And it depends I, on who the guy is too. If, if you chip in um, JoJo Smith, you can just bump him and go. But if you chip in Aaron Donald, you're going to make sure you get two hands on him and the show. So it depends on who the guy is, too. So you got Joey Bosa coming up this week. They're probably going to go for a bunch of rib shots on him, I would think, and chips. It makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that because so many of the plays go end up going off script with Lamar that you end up with, and I don't know about so many, but a, a decent percentage of them go off script, that a chip block actually probably costs you less relative to its value. So you, ex, you extend the play by, by getting your guy chipped. Mm-hmm. But then Lamar's also very good of making use of that extra time you're giving for him by finding people down the field. And the receivers seem to be doing a lot better job this year of making themselves available on extended plays. And also that, that chip guy can end up being the guy that mirrors Lamar in scrambles too. Yeah. He can be a, a quick uh, outlet if Lamar is trying to, you know, get away from guys or even if they almost have him, you know, wrapped up. The guy right there in front of me could pitch to him. Though. And the way he's throwing it, he don't have to pitch anything. He just flick his wrist. Yeah, because he he's doing a tremendous job of just we we get to the ball. <laughs> yeah. we'll it's one of the things I've been incredibly impressed with Prochet about is his ability to find that spot on the field where Lamar can find him. He's caught eight out of nine balls, and a lot of them have been these sort of emergency balls or, yes. or extended play balls, especially the one where the guy uh, I thought was targeted. Yes, and that because he had a little hitch right on that. They had ran that concept earlier to the other side and hit Hollywood. And uh, this time, he had Hollywood open, but for whatever reason, didn't throw it. And Prochet just mirrored it. And he hit Prochet and picked up, um, I don't know if we got a first down, but we got some positive yards on it. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I, gu- I guarantee you this, because it was in the stretch, it was either first down that play or it was a first down the next play. Because <laughs> yes. we didn't get to third down. So, uh, What else do we want to talk about? I, I thought that... Uh, the outside chips were a help in this game additionally because the, the, the Colts offensive line was so fatigued. Mm-hmm. So it's something we see them guys get get hit in the ribs. It almost means more. And maybe you could make, apply some of your coaching knowledge to that in the fourth quarter of a game when they can't draw a breath already. Is a chip block more effective? Uh, it's almost like uh, boxing. You just stay in the body. Stay in the body. Stay in the body. And later on, they'll fall. And, you know, we hung around long enough. So when they did fall, it, it benefited us. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, I forgot they even had DeForest Buckner. As good as he yeah. is, I you know, and not saying that we have this all-world interior O-line, but I really, you know, after maybe the first quarter when we were trying to smash it running the ball, I kind of forgot totally about DeForest Buckner. Yeah, he he was there, and, and I, I, he was he's getting picked up pretty effectively. But you know, could he, it's not like he didn't have a decent game, and it's not like the Ravens really had a lot of opportunity to chip him. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of opportunity to double him mm-hmm. on the inside, but they not as much opportunity to uh, you know to get a running back in there. It would be to to, to make a block there. Um, it, one thing I want to talk to you about that, that was very visible in this game is the mesh uncertainty with the current set of running backs. And, you know, it's they've effectively flushed who they thought they were going to have at running backs at the beginning of the season, of course. Tyson Williams at least practiced some with Lamar, uh, but mostly he was practicing with Tyler Huntley mm-hmm. before the season started. And then, of course, he's thrust into a number one back role that didn't hold up. But Murray and Freeman, they don't seem to have that same mesh certainty with Lamar. And Lamar's late pull... 
um, on was it was I think it was on the on, right before the touchdown. Uh, didn't cause a fumble, but he pulled it out immediately. Went to the ground. It mm-hmm. looked like a dangerous situation. And that comes with rips. And you know, NFL guys rarely practice. And I think Lamar does barely practices at all because he, he he doesn't look a hundred percent. So he's probably not as practicing as much as he did in the past. But and as far as the running backs, I just Tyson uh, Williams, you know, was there. And like you said, he was getting the reps with with uh, Huntley. And it's just it's a rep thing, and they don't practice enough to to master it. But mm-hmm. it's some kind of way they need to because it's it's gonna bite us in the butt eventually if we if we don't get to a point where it's it's natural almost. Because yeah. you know, with them clamping down on it and him wanting to pull it out late, which is and him pulling it out late is the most effective way to do it. Of course, he gets to read that that end longer. But um, if them got if they get to a certain point, and they they clamp down on it. It's tough to get it out. It's tough. It's tough, and it's going. It's going to go straight to the ground. Potentially I, I, it, it looked to me like Freeman thought he was going to score mm-hmm. and really wanted to hold on to that football. And he just he does not have the authority to give that signal back to Lamar. Right. He has to. He has to keep it in the loose mesh all the way to let Lamar pull it late. Ingram really understood that dynamic and said, you know, you put as long as you pull it hard, pull it whenever you want. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and that was good. Uh, Lamar and and he had a great, you know chemistry with that but uh, but it's not there with Freeman it's very clear I don't think it's there with Tyson Williams either who had the fumble he and Lamar had the fumbled exchange the fumble actually went to Lamar in what the opening game mm-hmm. and I, on that play I think free I think Freeman would score too hmm. because the the guy that kind of forced him to go down didn't he, his shoulders were not turned like he was actually trying to chase Freeman so mm-hmm. and, and, and the way we teach quarterbacks is that show is not turned you get I think Lamar just felt like, okay, I'm going to pull it and outrun this guy. And yeah. uh, Tyson, I mean, not Tyson, um, Freeman got, like, was taking his steps and he's looking to see where he's going to run. And they washed everything down and he saw the end zone. And when Lamar went to pull it, it, it just he probably tried to clamp down on it by then. Right. Yeah, it's a it's a it's, it's a difficult thing to master it's, because it's, it's not normal for a running back to want to give up that football. <laughs> yes. there, but, uh, Especially when, right. they, when you play three guys and they don't know how many touches they're gonna get. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, let's talk offensive line for a little bit, and I've got a little rundown on everybody. We'll go through, and I'll give you a chance at the end of each each player quickly to to, to talk about you know what's going on. So Villanueva on the left side has not been looking that good, but this game was a decent one for him. A C minus as I graded it. Two pressures allowed, two quarterback hits. He had a half share of a sack. Remember, it was a fairly long game in terms of snaps. Decent game as a run blocker. He went three of three on poles. Those were all on those counter plays that they they run for them in this game. Um, of course, they didn't win the game because of their run game. Right. They they uh, they most of it was a one on the passing game where he was not really performing at a high level. To me, he still looks like he's all arms and legs blocking. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ravens don't have another alternative. They need him to be the guy at left tackle because they they don't have any tackles after him. Right. I don't know if you heard Adrian Ely. Uh, got suspended. Uh, yeah, I did. I did. So, and then uh, you, if you look at who is being transacted in the 4 p.m. transactions from the NFL every day, it's like the worst players you've ever heard of are, are, are you know getting released from practice squads or getting or getting picked up by other teams. I should say, uh, it's like this is what the replacement level is in 2021. It's very mm-hmm. low. And what's what's the what's the actual deal with Ronnie? Like I know it's his, his his ankle, but they haven't said he had a, he regressed or they just you know resting him more. They haven't really said anything. It's kind of up in the air. 
Right. So I've heard various things that are not official mm-hmm. on the thing, and I don't really want to comment on it uh, on about this. But the one unofficial thing I've heard is it might be more of a pain management issue mm-hmm. than an injury, which is actually impeding him. So the choices are go back for more surgery or control the pain and try and rehab it and work through it. And so that might be where we are right now. But don't quote me on that because yeah. I'm hearing it secondhand to start with and it concerns yeah, me. It, it, I mean, all that makes sense. It's, it depends on, like, a lot of times, what what's your, your pain level? What what can you take? And um, you don't want to be out there and, and instead of not playing this year, you're done for your career. So I, I that makes sense. Right. I, I, uh, I certainly hope he doesn't have to have surgery again, just because I hope he doesn't have to have surgery again. But uh, if that's the right answer, then then that's the way they, they need to go, even if they have to sacrifice the season and for it. we should have Tyree back in two, three weeks, maybe? He started practicing, so, so that's good news. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has a three-week window, which he can come back. And I think... I forget if this week counted or not against that three weeks. I believe he might have just started practicing. They announced it after the game, so it's, he still has three weeks and could play in the not the Chargers game, not the Bengals game, but the game after that. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's move on down the line. Powers uh, obviously didn't want to play the whole game here, but he played all but four snaps. Uh, a really solid physical play. Didn't have any serious run-blocking errors, but he did allow three-and-a-half pressures. You mentioned DeForest Buckner. He had some problems with him, but that's not the only guy he had problems with. Uh, is a C effort overall. Powers hasn't really had a bad game this year, but he also hasn't you know, generally played at a super high level either. He did have one good one. Um, two and a half of those pressures were to Buckner. He made five out of six pulls, three pancakes, two blocks in level two. That's a lot of the mobility I yeah. want out of Powers, particularly considering that they didn't run that much. Right. And the thing with him, um, with him main, being the main guy on Buckner, you you realize that he's going to lose some of those battles. Mm-hmm. But as long as he can 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 maintain and not just get totally dominated, you got to take that as a win with Powers versus Buckner because Buckner has a a great track record in the league, uh, Pro Bowl a bunch of times. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'll take that, you know, out of Powers versus that guy. Now when we get some of the lesser guys in there, you can't expect him to hold his own a little more. But um, and it really. It's just, as long as he's not getting like totally dominated, I, I can deal with it because he, you know, he's still learning himself. Because obviously they were still having trials rotating him and and Cleveland in there. So you know, yeah. to, even though technically he got a C for what I expect out of him, you know, I, I, I would have graded him a little higher, but only because just just on the eye test, just on the eye test, not off technicalities and stuff like that. Because I know he's gonna lose some versus a player of Buckner's uh, caliber. That's fair enough. I gave all the interior linemen a little bit extra uh, adjustment in this game for the fact that Buckner was there. Okay. Um, They they lost Grover Stewart early in the game, Mm -hmm. Uh, or maybe he didn't even play. But I thought they he was actually on the ground uh, earlier in the game, and and he's he's a good player too. They were trying to not allow Buckner to be double teamed by doing some twists with the end. Mm -hmm. So you know they're obviously you know are cognizant of the fact that they don't want him doubled. But when they did get the opportunity to double, I thought they did a pretty good job and. Uh, it's it's not as if the pocket was particularly constrained from Lamar's perspective. He had the most ample time and space he's had the entire year, 21 out of 45 throws. So that gives you a lot of time to, to work magic. Let me ask you this question. Did it really seem like you watched two different games? Like first half, second half? Uh, not necessarily. Even like first half plus middle of the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And then like, it's like it was a different game. Like Like the whole game plan changed. Yeah, I, I mean, I would agree. The, the first, the, the two drives before 
the four never got a third down drives. They drove 80 and 88 yards on those two. They just ended up with a fumble at the one yard line and a field goal. So that did, that wasn't that good, but they were good drives. Mm. I mean, so I felt like, yeah, they, they did a pretty good job. But those last four drives are like nothing I've ever seen from any Maybe, maybe because the tempo was amped up. That's yeah. probably why it seemed like a different a different feel to me. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it, very different result. <laughs> no problem with that. Uh, ben Cleveland will talk about for a second. He only played four snaps. He was four for four. A loss even for a few games from him is really going to hurt. He's the one guy I thought who who brings the kind of gravitas and ability to shove that could get the run game going again, even with this set of running backs who is you know not what we're used to. Uh, and and honestly, I think they may miss him not only on the interior where he was by far their best backup, but also potentially a tackle. If if they have another injury at tackle and they need to have somebody else go in, I mean, hopefully Tyree is back. But actually, I think Cleveland might be the guy they they should turn to mm-hmm. um, if he's if Tyree is not back. Yeah, he he's a he's a huge. Even what he lacks in technique, he makes mm-hmm. up for it in just brute backyard country strength. Mm-hmm. He he can step wrong, but if still if he get a right hand or left hand on you, he can run you out of the hole like you, you know like he's supposed to. But um, as far as him playing tackle, he has that frame. But I don't know if he has the the, the lower body to do that. I think the that's why he's body. at guard anyway. I don't think he has the the footwork, the 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 agility to to if a guy bull rush you to 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 sink sink your hips and and, and stay in there. He got he got to know it's coming from the jump. He don't you know a lot of interior guys don't have all those moves that them outside guys got. And I think he can play on those interiors when you're gonna get a bull rush or you're gonna get a swim over. But if you go out there on a tackle, you got to deal with it. The jump swipe from Ngagwe, the the stuff that he's going to see out of the Bosa boys, um, mm-hmm. uh, 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 speed to power or power to speed from somebody else. And I don't know if Cleveland got the the, the lower body to to do those type of things. But and with where we at, like you said, we might have to go to him because <laughs> bodies are limited. And those names on that, that roster, that transition roster, yeah, high garbage, man. <laughs> yeah, they they are they are not very good, and 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 that's where I am too. I, I, there's nobody out there who should think this is the first choice that Ben Cleveland ends up as the Ravens' right tackle. Right. It's a last resort. You know, it's a it's a we've got to have something that has a chance to work. Ben Cleveland might be the guy, mm-hmm. and and I, I I would agree with you on the footwork. The other thing I go back to though is Orlando Brown at right tackle, modest footwork guy. You know, yeah. certainly not a specialist. Uses length well to try and defend that left side up to the back pylon of the pocket. That's what I'd want from Cleveland. Mm. I, I I want him to to use. He doesn't have quite the length of an Orlando Brown or a Tyree Phillips for that matter. But what he does have is the ability to shove with even more foot pounds of force or whatever the unit of batteries would he does. be. He does. And, and if we if we go run heavy, that, that could work. I, I was thinking from a past pass um pro perspective, but if we happen to be run heavy, it definitely could work. And do, doing some play play action stuff off of it. Him mauling people and, and down blocking for mm-hmm. um who was that powers pulling and stuff like that. I think I think he could do that. Yeah, and he's not a bad puller himself either. Yeah, he's honestly. I look at him as an athlete, and I say all the speed metrics, all the agility metrics are there for him. He look he doesn't pass the eye test when you look at him. He has plodding feet, mm-hmm. but in terms of his his um, combine numbers, he looks like he should not have plodding feet. He should be able to move around pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> he walks out of the locker room look like he's lumbering. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, okay, we'll keep going here. Uh, Boozman uh, had his worst game of the season. A big step back for him. Uh, terrible game pulling for Boozman. This is this is like really outstandingly bad. He had negative four point five points on six pulls. Mm-hmm. So perfect game. He goes six for six, but he gave up. Uh, let's see. I, I believe as a quarterback hit, a pressure, and and a half a. Uh, a half, I'm sorry. Get this correct here. Yeah, he gave up half a quarterback hit. He gave up half a sack and a penetration. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all, all on uh, all on pulls. So that was a that's kind of a bummer uh, from his perspective. He had a, a half and two thirds share of a sack. The two thirds share of a sack is not included in what I gave you. Six other misses for them at the line of scrimmage. Just not a good night for Bradley. Um, but uh, he's he's been the Ravens' best lineman until the previous week. So it it I expect him to come back. Any part of the Ravens' offensive line recovering to, to some semblance of being good includes Bradley Bozeman being good at, at center. Right. And the fact that he can pull is, is is a major plus. So there's not a lot of centers out there that can do that. But you really want to be effective when, you're doing it, when he's doing it because um, him missing, if he pulls, he's probably the point man um, mm-hmm. on the play. And him missing is probably getting a running back tackle for no gain or a loss. So he just got he just got to go through there and, and just just get the job done because he's he's he was a proven puller at guard. He's mm-hmm. he's even better pulling at center when he you know when he connects with the guy he's supposed to connect to because it's kind of a I'm gonna say it's a surprising thing, but to have centers pull is not normal. And for a linebacker to to get blocked by the center is is you know not a lot of guys out there just gonna take that and go on. Not especially not in the middle of today's NFL because you got a lot of speed guys playing linebacker right now. So if he can get his blocks, he's probably gonna win most of them if he can get to him without getting um, out, out athleted on that second level. Right. He's he's uh, the other thing that the, the Ravens do a fair amount is run run action, and I'll just I know you know what that means, but to explain it to the to the to the fans here, they they pull a guard on a pass play or on a play that is likely to be a pass. So they they're showing run action, but they're having a guard move to the other side creates angles for the guys who if if you're pulling from left to right, mm-hmm. who are at center right guard to 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 almost like a zone blocking mm-hmm. angle for them on a pass play, but also creates a, a an opportunity for that guy to block to the right of the tackle and carry some protection. Yeah, it helps so, with the linebackers too, because mm-hmm. the linebackers reading guard, they'll, they'll come downhill and yeah. give you more more opening, more room so, so, to throw the ball too. So great play action technique mm-hmm. is is you you do run action as well, and and you know for that Bozeman is not going to have as much of that this year because the center is not usually the one who moves on run action. It would typically be the guard, um, and usually the center. He, most of his pulls are coming when the left tackle is also pulling as part of a counter play. So it wasn't all of them because he had five poles and there were three counters going from left to right, mm-hmm. but but it was a fair number of them. All right, let's move on. We'll, we'll talk to Kevin Zeitler. Uh, he was the second best of the Ravens with a B on this game. Not too much to report. One penetration, one pressure, a third of a sack. Um, it, again, you know, he's a guy who had a bad game uh, last week or the week before. I forget which, but he had an F and, and uh, two weeks ago it was. Um, that obviously is not something the Ravens can take because Zeitler has to be but there are no other options for the Ravens at this point. The five they got are the five who have to play well. Yeah, the, the depth is depleted completely. But, um, you know, I didn't – the fact that I didn't call his name during the game lets me know that for the most part he did what he needs to do. Because I, 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 I kind of try to watch those guys more than normal 
And uh, the fact that I didn't say, hey, you know, what's he doing? Or you got to make that block or something. I don't remember calling his okay. name at all while watching the game or the, the couple of replays I watched. So to me, that's a good thing for him. And I think he had a couple of reps versus um, uh, Buckner too. And mm-hmm. the fact that they weren't, he wasn't dominated on those. I was, I was impressed with that. Yeah, I, I mean that's a good thing. And when you say call his name, you mean like scream at the TV? Yes, that, yes. Gets, yeah, that's that's what I would call it too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's so similar in terms of how we watch football. Um, McCary, uh, a huge game here. And this was hit by far his best game. Uh, uh, he got lots of help with chips in this game, mm-hmm. but it wasn't so much that I'm going to devalue what he did in any way. Uh, he All of his negative plays came during a four-play stretch where he had, a, he had a false start and he had two pressures allowed. But that is perfectly fine. You can give me that every day for a right tackle who's playing 67 snaps. Uh, did not miss a single block in the run game as I scored it. Uh, I think right now he's kind of creating a legitimate question and we need to see week to week viability at right tackle because he's been all over the place in terms of his scoring. Mm-hmm. But but it, the question has to come up at some point is if Stanley were to get healthy, would you sit Villanueva and leave McCary at right tackle. And I don't want to become wedded to any position on this at this point. Whatever is the right call at the time is the right call at the time. But mm-hmm. McCary has done much better than I would have thought, obviously with good scheme around him, to, to not get dominated with those short arms. That, that's a great uh, question, which I, I hate to be the one to make that decision. But I think as long as he's playing as good as he is, that gives um, us time to let Stanley uh, continue to be healed. Continue, continue to heal. Sorry. As for and with him playing as well as he's playing, we can you know just wait on Stanley, just wait on Ronnie to you know to work out whatever he got going on, and then possibly you know bring somebody else along. Um, but if he was playing bad, that that question would be right now. But the fact that he's playing well it buys us time to figure out what we're gonna do on down the line and gives Ronnie you know McCarr played good this week. Okay, we ain't got to rush Ronnie. McCarr's still playing yeah. good. We ain't got to rush Ronnie. So him playing good helps with the left tackle. And when when Ronnie comes back, that's a decision that is, is going to have to be made. I'm just glad I'm not the one making it because you, if he's still playing good, you don't want to put uh, Villanueva over there. And he had a crappy one game at right tackle. And this guy mm-hmm. can put five or six, seven, eight good to decent games, you know, on film. So that's, yeah. you know, I'd probably lean toward holding Villanueva out. But, you know. I don't have to make that call. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, he hasn't played well at left tackle either. Obviously, there are some skill sets that are that are portable there. Um, at, at right tackle in the Ravens system, he's probably asked asked to do a little bit less. But as of right now, I'd say I'd rather have a reserve left tackle on the bench. Mm-hmm in Villanueva where I'm not taking a chance on getting him injured somewhere else. That was the problem with Phillips initially starting him at guard. Didn't make any freaking sense because it was our only tackle backup at all. At all. But then what does it say about the, the guard depth? I mean, the guard play that we got in preseason that we had to put Phillips there. Yeah, I, I mean, I liked what Powers did the last two games. So, I, I, I you know, I was against the move to start with. So, mm-hmm. anyway, I, I'm not going <laughs> to whine about it any more than I am right now. So, McCary and A in this game. Cologne, seven snaps. Uh, he, that included a two-point conversion. But six is, were uh, replacing Zeitler, and he had one at OL6. He, he didn't play well. He had a couple misses and half a pressure, which is a lot for that short period of time. But, you know, he's now the Ravens' top interior backup, and that mm-hmm. kind of gives you an idea where we are. Right. Now, when the because I didn't even realize uh, he played when he played was Zyla hurt or they just put him in for reps. 
I think hurt, and the reason I think is because Zeitler played the first play of a series. So if they wanted to put him in for a rotational series, first of all, you wouldn't do it when you're down 16 in the fourth quarter, which mm-hmm. I think when it happened, you do it at some other time. <laughs> it mm-hmm. made more sense. But so I think he must have gotten hurt, and it looked like on the previous play he assisted a, on a block with the right tackle on, with McCary, and then he kind of fell to the ground in the in the in the process. I don't know if he might have rolled his ankle or whatever, but he's out for. Uh, you know, just the rest of that drive, and then he came back. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, we talked about the Colts' pass rush. Here's the thing that bothered me of the Colts' offensive line relative to the Ravens. This goes for the defense really more than the offense, but the Ravens' offensive line did not get get a lot of good level two reps in this game. In fact, if I look at total level two blocks, they only had eight in this game. Now you can get level two blocks a lot of way. You can get them on short passes, on the screen passes. You can certainly get them on run plays the way the Ravens run their combination blocks, you know, would give, would create lots of opportunity for that in theory for them to only get eight is terrible for me relative to what I saw just from the eye test on the Colts line where I wasn't counting them, mm-hmm. but it felt like they, their linemen were roaming free in level two and their blocks were holding like super glue. Yeah. I mean, our, our, our linebackers couldn't get off them. And you, you can tell that, um, that because of the run, the runs, fifty-eight and fifty-three for for them were at the line of scrimmage in the holes, making mm-hmm. tackles all night. Even when we ran bash and Lamar run away, uh, fifty-three. Who was that? Leonard? Is that Leonard? Yeah, yeah. W- was chasing him down from the backside. Nobody chased Lamar down from the backside. Mm-hmm. They just their defensive line was. Even though they didn't get a lot of pass rush, they did enough to keep our second level blockers from getting the second level. And their linebackers were allowed to run free. I, I remember on a, on a goal line play that um, we got yards, but we didn't score. Their defensive lineman slanted right, and on the snap of the ball, the linebackers went left. Both linebackers were untouched because hmm. each slanter took two pullers. I mean, took two blockers. And I don't remember which one was the outside linebacker, but he came off the edge free. And then when we bounced out there with the running back, both linebackers hit the running back. There you go. Uh, well, Mitch talked about a little bit about the counter plays. Now, about we talk about Lamar a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> that, that'll be a pleasant topic. Let, oh, everybody's blood pressure. Oh my been goodness! To the <laughs> this um, and I saw I saw a video today, and I didn't think about it until this guy put it on the video. But he 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 recorded a clip of um, whoever was announcing the game, and they were talking about the pass Lamar missed, maybe to Hollywood, maybe or to Andrews. And he was talking about Lamar has to be accurate and, and you know, he's got to be accurate if he's going to be a quarterback that's – He you picked know, that, that one play. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let, let me finish. He picked, that, he picked that one play and says he's got to be accurate. And at the time, Lamar was 8 for 11. Mm-hmm. So, really, he was 8 of 10, and then he missed that. He was 8 for 11. And so, when, then I, he showed, you know, that just shows how people are willing to get on this this train and – Mm-hmm. And support this narrative of he can't do it, but when actuality, if you look at his his base throughout the game, if you look at his um the way the ball comes out once he decides to make his decides to throw it, who he's going to throw it to, you see his his back and forth up and down in the pocket, you know with people diving at his feet, he ain't he ain't really getting flustered and taking off like he used to. And when guys are open, he he hit these guys in stride in the second half, the the touchdown in Hollywood. Perfect, perfect ball placement. The mm-hmm. sluggo to Hollywood, perfect ball placement. The the scramble drill to Mark Andrews for a touchdown, perfect ball placement. Mm-hmm. The deep overs to Andrews, he's, he's almost perfect at those every week. Mm-hmm. So I, I, 
the guy's it's, amazing. It's, he's, he's he's amazing to me. And whoever whoever is now his quarterback coach, because I know he dropped the high school guy, has done an amazing job with that kid. He got rid of Josh Harris, really? He got another guy? I think so. That's too bad. Uh, the guy he was with was a high school coach at St. Thomas. Okay. St. Thomas Aquinas. So I, I don't know if he got rid of him. He may have brought somebody else extra in. Mm-hmm. But I know there's a different person working with him, too. I, just, I don't know the name. It, it doesn't seem like they messed him up, let's put it that way. But but if they – it could be, a, a you know, someone like Lamar can really make use of – two schools of thought and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, a second way to throw a football, he can say, okay, I like that one better, but I also like what Josh Harris taught me about, you know, my footwork. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And his, his, his ball placement has been for the most part on point. Obviously he's not going to throw hundred percent of the balls where they need to, but um, the only really off ball that I remember him throwing is the, the ball that they were uh, re- reviewed that we, that we thought Mark Andrews caught early in the game. Yeah. Like so one, that, one of those first three and outs we had, and to me, that was the only ball that was like inaccurate, you know, widely. But his his his, his decision making, his his deliverance of the football, how quick he's getting the ball out, his mm-hmm. pocket presence, all that stuff was, was was phenomenal, you know, in that game. And it, it really, it was phenomenal the whole game. But it really was highlighted when we were down nineteen, and in the position where people said he can't do the things that he did, you know, Monday. Because technically, you know, if you listen to the naysayers, when we were down 19, we should have been done because all we were going to do is run the ball. And it was yeah. obvious that we, for whatever reason, we couldn't run it on the coast. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to bother myself with the naysayers. I thought <laughs> there was one ball that I that, that I thought was one of his worst thrown balls of the night. It, it kind of went unnoticed. The second two-point conversion to Andrews really good catch by Andrews to collect that ball, which was a little bit behind him. And it was in a zone where it would have been one of the only balls of the night that Leonard could have gotten his paw on and, and, you know, frankly won the game if he'd have done it. Um, but it was, it was a good play by Andrews. And, and uh, if, if that's the kind of throw you're complaining about, take it every day of the week. Because is, that, it's, is it's, that the yeah. one where he kind of stepped forward and then threw it? Yeah. I yes. threw it like a dark. Yes. Instead of a, that, that, yeah. that was kind of dangerous. Mm-hmm. That was kind of dangerous, but I, and I want to say I, he was about to run. Could be. Uh, I I because it was almost know, like he was walking forward and like you said, kind of not past it, but threw it like a dart. He he's Andrews was crossing there, and I think he kind of ran into the back of a lineman as he was throwing the ball, mm-hmm. which was I, I'm not 100 percent sure he might he might have taken off. Who knows? But but it looked like to me he was looking for Andrews all the way on that play, which kind of made sense because you want your surest pair of hands right. for that important. And he had a great game. Yeah, I I, I, I want to get back to what you said earlier about pocket presence for Lamar, because this has been one of the things that's just impressed me continuously with him is he takes a bump in the rear better than any quarterback I've seen in recent years, maybe, which probably means ever, honestly, most quarterbacks, certainly most young quarterbacks, I think most pocket quarterbacks are really bothered when they get hit from behind and the blind side, the Ravens have had a series of left tackles who give up, push into your lap pressure mm-hmm. and uh you know basically he has to be very good at taking care of that and i think he's just been excellent and at one point he um somebody got pushed back okay got pushed back into his lap and um he basically put his left hand on his guy to kind of keep him off of him and deliver a strike to um i want to say hollywood on on, on, a, on a pass but at the fact that he can work that pocket and still avoid pressure and just the fact that he he had the wherewithal to basically place his hand on the back 
of his lineman to kind of give him a little push so he can have room to get through to get the ball off. And the ball, he didn't even have follow through on that, but it was mm-hmm. he delivered a strike. It, and with with I want to say it was um, Zeitler pushed in his lap, and he just kind of put his hand on his back, kind of pushed him off a little bit, got the throw off, and he threw a dime to. Um, with Hollywood or Andrews, one of the two. But I just remember being impressed with him not just taking off or just falling back trying to get away from him. He just stood in the pocket and, you know, kind of gave him a slight lift push to, to balance himself and get the ball off. Yeah, it's just, it, it ends up effectively meaning he needs a much smaller pocket than other quarterbacks. The one thing I really don't like to see is when people are at his feet and he has to step into that throw. But even then, I mean, he's got, he, he can short arm the ball. He can throw it like a dart. He can do a lot of other things that have proven effective, change his arm angle mm-hmm. uh, to, to get it by that guy for starters, but also to not have his footwork impeded by it. And, and that often will cause problems for for. Quarterbacks that like to use the standardized footwork on every single throw. Yeah, his, his arm is a lot stronger than I thought, too. Because there were some throws where he, like you said, he couldn't step up. And he still, you know, got a lot of uh, accuracy and velocity on the ball. Yeah, I, 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 I want to correct myself on a stat from last week that I mentioned. But the, the, the mile-high miracle throw, uh, using a normal right triangle rules and measuring the hypotenuse okay it went up a little less than 55 yards and that was thrown in denver mm-hmm. in De- sorry a little less than 56 yards and the throw in denver also that he made to to hollywood for the diving touchdown aws measured it at 60.8 yards mm-hmm. so that gives you an idea of of you know what his arm strength is like because flacco certainly wound all the way up he did have a little pressure but he mm-hmm. wound all the way up and threw a um, artillery shell to <laughs> down, down that right sideline to, to get it to 55 yards. And, uh, you know, Lamar was throwing of a, 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 I think a lower trajectory mm-hmm. artillery shell that, that went further. And I know quarterbacks can get together and they can throw the ball over 70 yards when they're, when they're, you know, f- playing from a standing start or, or a running start, I should say. But, uh, you know, to, to throw a ball 60 yards in the air, 61 yards in the air is really remarkable. It's, it's, it's totally different when you're out there just playing around with your guys, when you got, Guys trying to knock you, knock you out to 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 throw it that far and to be that accurate is it, crazy. Uh, and the guys that can do that, you, you're talking about Aaron Rodgers. You're talking about maybe um um what's the guy that with the Rams? Uh, oh, uh, Stafford. Stafford. You're not. You don't even put Brady in that category because Brady don't have one. Oh no, not anymore. <laughs> you, you're looking at uh, um. I'm trying to think of who was Josh Allen. Maybe mm-hmm. some of those guys. It's, it's few and far between that, that we got guys in the league that can throw it that far and be that accurate without having to wind up and, and crow hop and whatnot. Yep, there you go. Um, let's see. Really like the fact that Prochet has become a trusted target. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the extended plays to him we've liked. We talked about a little, that a little bit before. I like the fact that he went to Freeman. And all I'm talking about is like his connections with other receivers. Mm-hmm. He's, he seemed to be willing, especially during these last four drives, to, to spread that ball around a little bit more as necessary. Although, hey, he's still going to Hollywood and, and, uh, and Andrews most of the time. And even with, with, with Hollywood having nine catches and Andrews having – 11 the the sprinkling of other guys keeps them in the game it keeps it keeps their mind in the game it keeps them running routes hard it keeps them doing things and say hey i might get this ball and i think that's where Prochet is Prochet is to the point where okay you know i'm probably not gonna get them deep balls i gotta take what i can get and get the most of it and he's got a rapport with lamar to to mirror him and lamar trusts him now yeah whereas what last year he had four snaps maybe 
And now yeah, he three, has three targets. That's it. He, now he's had, he has maybe about ten catches already. If maybe eight or not eighteen catches right right now, and big catches at that. Not you know early drive like third down catches where he coming up and and doing what he needs to do. Yeah, he's he's already got over a hundred yards because he's averaging. 13 yards and change per target, which actually leads the Ravens on anybody with eight, eight or more targets. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, he's, I, I, I put this in a tweet today, but the Ravens have four guys averaging nine or more and three guys averaging 10 or more now in yards per target. There's only been eight guys with 20 or more catches in Ravens history who's average average nine yards a target mm. ever, any position. And, and, and you know, the top ever is 11, and both uh, Hollywood and Prochet are well over that now. So, so you know, there's a possibility we're going to have a Ravens record this year, but we're definitely going to have some franchise years, I think, uh, among yeah, those I, four guys. I think guys. we're using Hollywood like we need to. Let him be the over-the-top guy. And you got mm-hmm. you got other guys that can work the middle to intermediate. Let Hollywood blow the top off some stuff. And, and don't yeah. put him in them situations where he got to take licks. Because he's, he's, not, he's not a big statue guy anyway. He just needs to run past people. And and do his skill set out on the outside of the numbers, maybe some deep posts and stuff like that. But we we use them a lot different than we did in the past. You're you're bringing up a great point because the Ravens rotate now a fair amount of receiver. So one of the questions is how often, how many consecutive plays can a receiver run a nine route, or or it doesn't have to be only a nine, but you know a, a post, a slant and go, whatever it might be. How many times in a row can he do that before he has to come off the field? Three, four, max. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you're going out there, you're giving your all, you're running a 30, 40-yard, 50 sprint every play if you're running that back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. And so, it, you know, you got to either hit him early or you got to have another guy that can do it too. And we don't have another guy with the speed like that. So he's really that guy. But the thing is, with him blowing the top off of, of coverages, Sammy's – like his report with Sammy is awesome. Him hitting Sammy on those glance routes, uh, break, not even breaking stride, the one he had early in the game. Didn't even, Sammy didn't even break stride, and Sammy's not a burner, but he got, I don't know what the yard is, 30, 40 yards because he because he didn't have to break stride. And, you know, whatever little speed he got left, he was able to run from people. And I think that's the play he got hurt on, too. Yeah, might have been. But, uh, uh, I, I'm loving the use of Hollywood, too. I, they really have taken Hollywood out of any of the jet toss stuff. Uh, so they're, they, they're, they're basically saying we're, we're not making the defense defend the entire field mm-hmm. when we have him come in jet motion. I think that's right. They, they used a little bit of orbit motion with him. That That's a different type of thing, trying to get him wide in a place where the defense really has to account for him. Uh, but but I like I like it, too, that they're mostly using him for nine routes. I think that makes sense. And I, if you had another guy who could do it and they could alternate plays on that sort of thing, it doesn't have to be a strict alternation. Right. But, but you know, if they, if they thought that Duvernay, say, was a guy who could stretch the defense in the same way, not quite as fast. But I think um, Duvernay suits what you just said, that, that, that orbit motion type. Deal. Yeah. I think that's his niche, his niche for the Ravens. Because I don't like Hollywood catching ball behind the line of scrimmage have to fade people out. He, yeah. You know, he's fast, but he don't have the, uh, uh, that that Duvernay may have. Or, or yeah. the Bill, because Duvernay's built like a running back anyway. Right. So he's, I, he's ready to take a hit, and that's part of what Hollywood's – I wouldn't call it an issue, but it's kind of part of his game is that he kind of wants to go down before contact. Yes. And, and it's yeah. – And I, to me, what I would do if I had Duvernay, I would use Duvernay on those, uh, those bash plays. Because we don't have a running back that can get to the edge. Yeah, you use him in the backfield out out of sidecar, sidecar, or bring him in motion, like starting yeah. empty and let him be the guy that's going opposite with Lamar running the counter. Because okay, if so Lamar you, gives it, we don't have a guy. Freeman can't get the edge. Bell can't get the edge. Williams can't get the edge, and Murray definitely can't get the edge. 
I, I, I'm in agreement there. Then you have to move to pistol and you have to have him coming in jet motion to show the other way. You have to have one of our slowbacks because they're all pretty slow going going up the middle. And then Lamar has to be, go back to being an edge option guy, which they've shied away from. And I, I don't know mm-hmm. why they think it's less risky, but they're using Lamar on the up the middle runs out of sidecar more this year. Uh, that I think I do think that Williams has the speed to get to the edge for that to be the right edge guy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'll, uh, it's, it's an interesting thing because they've, you know, for, for one thing, you don't want there to only be one play out of that. Even if it's right. got three options, I don't want to have only one play. Exactly. Teams will figure it out. You got to have multiple, multiple, multiple plays out of that formation because the NFL, all they do is football all day. <laughs> all, right. all right. Well, uh, let's see. We talked a little bit about Hollywood and, and Prochet. What other skill position players would you like to talk about? Andrews. Andrews. Uh, I know it's the beginning of the year. We talked about the big three at tight end. You talked about Waller. You talked about Kittle. You talked about Kelsey. And, you know, you think of as as um, Andrews as like right below that tier. But he's put together back-to-back 100-yard games. And if he can continue on the plane he's on, he that could be a big four. Because mm-hmm. he, he is balling right now. And with us throwing the ball more, he you know, I can't remember him dropping the ball. He may have. I just don't remember it. But – I mean, back-to-back 100-yard games for him is big because he's still our number one wide receiver, honestly, with um, yep. you know, with Hollywood starting to pick his game up. But I really like it, that that blanket, that, that that comforting blanket that he gives Lamar, especially the, the deep over routes he runs and the way Lamar throws them, man, those things are a thing of beauty because he's putting it – and he's not running at full speed. He, he Lamar starts to a spot, and he knows just how to work through – linebackers and safeties to get to that spot when the ball is supposed to be there because he's right. he's running it different every time but getting to the spot and getting open yeah i i, I mean I, I certainly love that um he's caught 29 out of 38 balls this year and the point i wanted to make along with that is just how critical it is for him to be a high percentage catch guy because it really changes exactly how much value you get out of him mm-hmm. his yards per target is way up this year again uh back to where it kind of was where is where he was a rookie where he caught he caught a couple of long balls as a rookie including that 68 yarder against the chargers mm-hmm. but but he but he but he's a lot of his game is in making a fair number of 20 to 30 yard plays with a high catch percentage mm-hmm. and you know i don't think we're going to see too many 60 yard plays the remainder of andrew's career maybe we'll maybe we'll see one or two but he's going to depend on being a high catch rate guy and he had been since week three of 2019 till the till the beginning of this year, he'd been a 60 percent catcher approximately. Mm-hmm. That ain't going to do it at tight end. It needs to be higher than that. Right. And, and I'm glad to see his, he's back up uh, to basically 75 percent or a little bit higher this year. Let me ask you this question. Would that do it as a tight end if he's running deeper routes? Cause, you know, most tight end runs a little hitches and, mm-hmm. you know, five to 10 yard routes. But he's running like for real routes. And then we get those, and I haven't seen it a lot this year, but those okay. those deep balls over the middle, those the way he, Lamar tried to high point them, I haven't seen a lot of those this year either. Where he like throws it, like red zone throws it at the top of the goalpost, and is it's, uh, asking Andrews to go get it. I haven't seen a lot of those though, but those were low percentage throws that Andrews mm-hmm. you know would come down with. But I mean, he's he's not he's running the regular tight end routes, but that over and, and is that's almost like a receiver route. And, then, and that's probably, I, that's why I think his number is up right now because he's caught a bunch of those already. Right. Well, I, I'll, I'll just tell you mathematically, 
if he had a 60% cash rate instead of the 76.3 he's got currently, mm-hmm. he'd drop to eight, eight and a quarter yards per target, mm. which that would be okay for a tight end, but it wouldn't be what, that wouldn't be and all he, pro tight end level. I got you. I got you. Mm-hmm. He'd be the average. Yeah. <laughs> He'd be Hunter Henry. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, Mark, my, Travis Kelsey is slightly above that. He's about nine yards per uh, per catch. But Andrews is really, you know, uh, above the field right now at, mm-hmm. at being uh, ten and a half. Todd Heap had one great year like that, uh, where it stood out over all the rest of his career in twenty ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but Andrews, uh, you know, I think to be real valuable, it, it just underscores the need for for him to play with hands, and he's doing it right now. And I don't want to get too excited because two weeks into the 2019 season, he looked like he'd never drop a ball again, and then things started to happen. <laughs> you, you, you really don't want to pat a guy on the butt, and then he crapped in the <laughs> hand. You really hate for that to happen. All right. I, I'll, I'll go to another player here. I thought that uh, Devontae Freeman, I was happy with his game, uh, caught some balls and made something happen after the catch. And, uh, you know, the Ravens have often will go without a check down option on a lot of plays uh, because they, Lamar is the check down option. His run is really what you do. But when you get closer to the goal line, uh, that's no longer of the same value because you, because your, your, your receivers are closer to the line of scrimmage. And so there's a better chance that the, the, the cover guys on them can help tackle Lamar. I think it really helps to have a check down in those situations and Freeman helped them move down the field. Uh, with those three grabs. I was very happy with that. Down on the guy before this game, now I think I understand a little bit better why he's ahead of Le'Veon Bell on the depth chart. And I was down on him too. Uh, before this game, I would have said he's the guy that shouldn't be active. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was pretty adamant about it. But his ability to catch the ball and make something happen, and, and it's, like you said, it's different because you normally don't see a lot of checkdowns for us. And in that drive, that overtime drive where all plays were positive, the checkdown mm-hmm. worked. Uh, I think it was two to him, maybe three to him, and also one to maybe uh, Murray. And we, we didn't have a negative play in overtime. So, you know, him using those guys, and, and I, I think it should almost be a staple because – and the reason I think it should be a staple because Lamar can get out of situations yeah, with, with, with rushers. So you can kind of give him that uh, freedom to, you know, make make these guys miss then have a guy to drop it off to, whereas making these guys miss and now you got to run it. And potentially take leaks. Mm-hmm. I, 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 maybe I'll add one more to that: is that uh, Lamar's gravitational attraction for the defense creates more opportunity for those guys who catch the ball short. So if he's going to draw yes. an inside linebacker in who doesn't have, who really should be on Freeman, mm-hmm. that's great for getting mm-hmm. Freeman free. And they'll have if you know if if that guy abandons his um, holding Freeman or whatever, mm-hmm. then he got plenty of room to get yards after the catch out there too. Got plenty of time, plenty of uh, opportunity for yet. All right. Uh, any other skill position players you'd like to talk about? Maybe that we um, have so far. Marquise, just being consistent. He's been consistent this year. Had the the game where he dropped the two TDs, but for the most part, he's been extremely uh, consistent. And you know, it's trying to be a looking like a number one guy, honestly. Yeah. Looking like a number one guy. Yeah, his his catch rate, I, I don't have it right in front of me, but I think he's up to 73% this year. And 
if he can maintain that, I mean, that's up for a couple drops in Detroit that look mm-hmm. pretty bad. Uh, but, you know, there's two things that are, well, there's multiple things that are they're giving him a higher catch rate. Is One is Lamar's on target. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number two is he's running in open space, so Lamar doesn't have a lot of throwaways or fear of the defender overthrows, you know, kind of those overlapping circle kind of places you'd talk about or use this, where, uh, opportunities where the, the, the defender is using the sideline effectively against him, any of that. Mm-hmm. Most, of his, most of his throws are in open space. Lamar's on target, and he's making the catch and not dropping it, and that's a that's a great combination of circumstances. He can keep that up. He's he's going to get twelve hundred plus yards receiving. He's on pace for about fourteen hundred right now, uh, and uh, certainly he's having a fantastic year. If I'm not mistaken, isn't him and um, Andrews in the top like ten of receiving yards this year? I thought I, I thought I read that somewhere. Maybe I want to be wrong. I'm, I want to say he's eighth in the NFL right now. Uh, he's tied for second in touchdowns with five. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's only one guy who has six receiving touchdowns. So uh, a lot of good things uh, for this for this receiving court. A lot of, a lot of places the Ravens fans have never regularly checked, like receiving <laughs> yards <laughs> <laughs> lists. So uh, you want to talk MVPs for this game? I think I'm, I'm betting we have the same three guys on offense. But yeah, I, I do want to ask you a question before we go MVP. Yeah. And it was in this thing, but we, we, we didn't get to it. What do you think Bateman's role is going to be when he gets there? Because somebody asked me about Boykin, and I told him, I'm like, you didn't realize, but Boykin played last night. You may not have seen him, but he played. <laughs> but it really, so he's not, he wasn't a factor in the passing game. But what do you think Bateman's role is going to be? And a lot of people are thinking Bateman's going to be like this savior-type dude, and which he may end up being that. But my thing is he hasn't played it down yet. So I'm like, how can he be – the guy that turns the offense around and, you know, uh, these other guys, Prochet should see it and, and these other guys should see it. And Bateman hadn't played one down. So how do you how do you crown, basically crown a guy, uh, you know, and I'm not hating on him. I just want to see him do something before we say he's the guy that's going to really pump this offense up. Yeah, I, I guess I'd have a couple of thoughts on that. The first, the first thing is I, I want him probably to, to, to ease into the role if it's possible. Mm-hmm. So it, it may be that Watkins is out this next week. So they, they, they talked about him having a hamstring today. And, you know, it was one of these things. We'll see how long it is. He's not on IR yet, but he might end up there. And I don't think I think based on the language used, I guess he's not he's probably not going to play this next week, even though it's a very important game. And that means he's the ex receiver, Bateman mm-hmm. is, or or Boykin is, and he shares it with him. Yeah. So if if you do that, then I think you know you you have to start relying on him pretty quickly to do a lot of the things Watkins did. And in some ways, Bateman is better at some of those things mm-hmm. coming out of college. You know, he's mm-hmm. I think he is better at the top of the route tree, sticking his foot in the ground and running multiple routes off that. Against Averett. In this last game, what we saw was a guy who was buying whatever the opponents were selling at the top of the route tree. Mm-hmm. And I think cornerbacks in space have that natural tendency that they'll bite on the first move at least a pretty good percentage of the time. If Lamar can read that with Bateman, he could be an immediately have be, a, be an impact player. But I think also it would be probably a mistake to give him a huge snap count right off the bat mm-hmm. that risks additional strain on that groin and, and re-injury. And as, as you're talking about, I'm thinking if he gets that same ball that Sammy got, I think mm-hmm. I think on the play he got hurt, Bateman probably scores that now that I think mm-hmm. about it. Just off because he's that much more faster than Sammy. And if you get the same ball and in, in the same product placement, he probably just runs away from guys on that. So I can see. But we can go on to the MVP, so. 
All right. All right. Let's do that. So who's your number three guy? Um, I have a number three guys, so to speak. Sure. The O-line. Okay. For, for giving Lamar the time he needed to, to find guys down the field, even when the initial reads weren't open. Okay. I, I, I think that's a, a very good call. If I wanted to make a similar pick, as honorable mention, I'd certainly I'd pick – Probably McCary and the screen and the scheme itself in terms mm-hmm. of all the chip blockers they threw to get to get good things. So, uh, but my number three guy is, is uh, Hollywood. That, yeah. that I thought you know he was he was there for a couple of deep balls. Obviously there for the game winning catch, uh, shook himself free there. He was there in space, made himself available Lamar a, much, a bunch of times, and he made some things happen after the catch in this game. Mm-hmm. So so that's a you know and just an addition. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Wouldn't wouldn't, wouldn't fight you on that one. I, you know, honestly. I, I, yeah, I bumped my whole line down. To <laughs> number four. Let's, let's go, let's go uh, right. Brown. Okay, how about your, your number two guy? It's Andrews. It had to okay, be Andrews. Another, my, big, my another 100-plus game. Um, two touchdowns. Two, two huge. I think the two-point conversions were more huge than the touchdowns, even though we needed them. Because those things can go either way, especially with a condensed field. They were huge, and he yeah. – and it, you really don't get stats for him other than those two points because they don't add to your catches. But he's playing lights out to me right now. His chemistry with Lamar is is, is right. On, it's like they're one right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're 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 in the simplest terms very very high leverage plays. If if you miss either one, you lose the game. Mm-hmm. And the touchdown drives that ended. I mean, it wasn't dependent on any one play. It was dependent on all of them. In fact, they never got to third downs. They never got themselves in a situation even where it depended on two plays. Right. So so. Uh, uh, they did a great job, but I agree with you. Those two point conversions were critical. Number one, is there any doubt? No, no doubt, no doubt, okay. no doubt. One and one last comment about it. He he's been so accurate that those guys are able to get catch the ball and do something after it. And I talked about it in one of my videos where they're able to catch the ball, protect themselves, and or get some extra yardage because of you know how how well he's getting the ball you know early or uh the placement of the ball he's he's allowing them to protect themselves like especially like on Prochet's ball because Prochet didn't probably didn't see that guy coming to the last minute but he got it to him in a, in a place where he can catch it see him and then protect himself and then the other cat ended up getting hurt and then like uh I think we ran like a square in with with Hollywood he hit Hollywood like perfectly where Hollywood could catch it turn around and find the guys chasing him then spin out a guy and maybe get some more yak and the, like, the only one that he didn't like lead a guy like that on was the the one the deep over to Andrews where he kind of got popped, but Andrews yeah. was able to catch it, pull it in, and protect himself. And the other guy got hurt. Yeah, that's that's right. That ended up that end of the night for Rhodes, and uh, and that was a, when they got down to three corners, I guess at that point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was uh, so many things about this game that you you point is that's the one thing that really changed it and that was one of, kind of the fun of it and why it was so much like that 2003 Seattle game is that there's there's just every single step of the way there were points where if anything had failed that they would have been, you know, SOL and they would have lost the game. Yeah. But uh all right. Well, uh, it's been great. We're going to we're going to have to forego the mailbag given how long we've gone on the show. But uh, we really appreciate having you on, Coach. It's always a pleasure to talk football with you. Time always seems to get away from us. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'd have you on every week if we could. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It doesn't seem like we've been on that long. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, tell folks where they can find your work and uh, Sip to Tally in particular. Uh, Sip to Tally Films on YouTube. Um, pretty much right now getting two 
to three videos out a week. Uh, I have two out so far this week, mainly on the um, the, the overtime drive and then some of Lamar's throws from that. But, um, you know, and on Twitter, it's Coach Evans 9. Okay, at Coach Evans 9. And, and uh, he's very active. Do you, have, do you have DMs open? Yeah, they're open. They're open. Okay, that's great. They're open. That's great. So you can talk, you can talk to him directly anytime you want. Get him on your show. Uh, he's definitely a worthwhile guest as you as you hear it here. If you'd like to be on a twenty five years uh, episode, give me a DM with two or three bullet points on what you'd like. Again, we're looking for narrow, somewhat obscure topics from Ravens history that'll be fun. It could be an individual game, individual player you like. Doesn't have to be Ray Lewis or Ed Reed. Those guys are very complex and difficult to detail in a short episode. It could be Corey Ivey. It could be Rashawn Melvin, as we had one guy do, which was very interesting. So anyway, uh, hit me up with a DM if you'd like to be on one of those. Coach, thanks so much for being on again. No problem. No problem. Enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. Can't wait till the next time. (laughs) Me either. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.